Pantry Studio Production. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Ten years ago, June 2011. That month, Taylor Swift, Miranda Lambert, and Blake Shelton won a CMT award. Transformers Dark of the Moon, directed by Michael Bay and starring Shia LaBeouf, premiered at the Moscow Film Festival. American director James Arness, best known for playing Marshall Dillon in Gunsmoke, passed away in Brentwood, California, aged 88. Ten years ago, a college student was last seen. But the question, what happened to Lauren Spearer, remains unanswered and haunted by all kinds of theories. Some of them so far out there that most consider them ludicrous. Others, well, possibly. The Indiana University student disappeared in the early morning hours of June 3rd, 2011. Well, as you can imagine, since then, the police and her family have continued to search for answers. It all started during a night out with friends. What was supposed to be fun turned tragic. Inspiring turned heartbreaking. But what happened that night is still considered a mystery to most, at the very least. The details are still sketchy and unclear, but to walk in her footsteps, we must first begin in the early hours of June 3rd. And so, as we have said before, we begin where it all began. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and this is episode number 41, Lauren's Lament, the Mountain Mystery of Lauren Spearer. Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much the days he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was that was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd but they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and now your host, Chris Sloan. Shortly after midnight on June 3rd, Lauren and a guy called David Roan left her small wood plaza apartment to meet up with some of their friends. Lauren and Roan 
went to the residence of Jay Rosenbaum, who lived at five North Town homes, to meet with Jay, Corey Rossman, and Mike Beth. About 1.30 in the morning, Lauren and Corey left Jay's town home and went to Kilby Sports Bar. They got there about 15 minutes later. Lauren was seen drinking at Kilroy's with friends. Not with her that night was her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf, who would report her missing the next day. The couple had been texting back and forth before Jessica would call it a night. Now, Lauren was said to have been very intoxicated at the time by several of the friends that she had left at the bar. Spear was rumored to have had a complicated history with drugs. She had been arrested for public intoxication about nine months before her disappearance. Rumors even claimed that police found a small amount of cocaine in her room after her disappearance. Lauren's parents refuted these reports and said that she was not an addict and that there was no evidence that she even used drugs the night that she went missing. The Spearers said that they are appalled that the Wolves have defamed their daughter knowing Lauren will never have the opportunity to respond. Surveillance cameras recorded Lauren and Corey leaving the Smallwood apartments and walking back toward the five North townhomes around 2.30 in the morning. That's when she was seen leaving the bar with a friend, Corey Rossman. But oddly enough, she left her shoes and phone behind. Corey escorted her to her apartment complex. A passerby, identified as Zach Oaks, noticed that Lauren was inebriated and asked if she was okay. As Lauren and Corey were getting back to his place, they were confused by a group of young men sometime between 2.30 and around a quarter to three in the morning in the hallway of the building's fifth floor. According to Corey, he was attacked by the young men who struck him in the face and head. Corey told authorities the resulting wounds made it difficult for him to recall what happened directly after that attack. She and Corey arrived at his apartment where his roommate Mike Beth put a very drunk Corey to bed and tried to get Lauren to go to sleep. When questioned, he claimed that Lauren desired to go back to her apartment. Half an hour later, Mike called Jay Rosenbaum and asked him to take care of Lauren. While they waited, she attempted to convince Mike to drink with her back at her place. Jay was a member of Lauren's inner university circle. She had met Jay at the same camp where she and Jesse had first interacted. Mike said that Lauren made two calls that, when answered, left no messages. Lauren, however, returned to Jay Rosenbaum's townhome, which was two doors down from Mike's. Jay and Mike said Lauren wanted to continue drinking at Jay's place. However, they both wanted to put an end to the long night of partying. Jay reportedly tried to convince Lauren to sleep on his couch, but she refused. According to Jay, Lauren left his town home around 4.30 in the morning and started walking east on 11th Street. She was last seen near the intersection of 11th and College. Lauren Spearer was last seen walking barefoot in black leggings and a white t-shirt. Her purse and keys were later found on that route. She had intended to walk back to her apartment, but had disappeared on the way. She's not been seen since. What happened that night left a lot of people wondering, especially IU students attending the university at the same time. IU graduate Audrey Campbell said that they came back to the fall semester and there were flyers everywhere. You couldn't look anywhere without seeing one. She said that every student had to have known about it. She said that her friends and she were aware of it and that she had a friend that worked at the paper, so she was doing a fair amount of coverage on it. Several hours after Lauren was last seen or heard from, Jesse sent a text to her and received a reply from an employee from the bar that she had left her phone at, and he proceeded to report her missing later that morning. A day after Lauren vanished, her parents, Charlene and Robert, arrived in Bloomington to assist in the search for their daughter. They believe their daughter's friends know more than what they're saying. In their opinion, Jay, Corey, and the bar staff knew Lauren was drunk and had a duty of care to make sure she was safe. 
It was June 11, 2011. The Spear family offered a $100,000 reward for the safe return of their daughter. Authorities announced they identified 10 persons of interest in Lauren Spear's disappearance. In addition to being included on that list, Corey Rossman and Mike Beth were asked to submit DNA samples to rule them out as possible suspects. Lauren's disappearance was featured on America's Most Wanted on June 11, 2011. Authorities said that they received about 350 tips after the program aired, but unfortunately none of them led to the discovery of Lauren's whereabouts or the identification of any new suspects. The broadcast also inspired law enforcement agencies and volunteers to continue searching for the missing woman. As many as a thousand people a day were looking in Bloomington, Indiana and the surrounding areas. Throughout June of 2011, authorities revealed more details about the morning Lauren vanished, including maps, enhanced surveillance images, and a timeline from the time Lauren left her apartment to the time she was last seen walking down 11th Street. Authorities also continued questioning her friends and her boyfriend, Jesse Wolfe, even though he was not present on the morning she disappeared. Indiana University also increased the reward for information leading to Lauren's location or an arrest in her abduction by another $50,000. Between June and July, authorities and volunteers searched the Hoosier National Forest and the Sycamore Ridge Landfill. Nothing of interest was ever found. But since then, Bloomington Police, along with other law enforcement agencies, national search groups, and volunteers, have searched numerous lakes and forested areas, as well as conducted countless interviews. After coming hours of all available security footage and thoroughly questioning Corey, Mike, and Jay... The Bloomington Police Department turned to the public. It was in August that they conducted a nine-day search of the Sycamore Ridge Landfield in Pimento for any clues that may tie into the case. They came up with nothing. By early 2012, the reward offered for information in the case was now up to $250,000, although the bodies of several women were found in the months and years after Lauren vanished. They were all excluded. The searches were eventually called off and tips dwindled. Despite the amount of time that had passed, Bloomington police are not calling Lawrence's disappearance a cold case. Chief Michael Dikoff says that many times they're asked if Lawrence's case is cold, and their answer to that is an unequivocal no. He said a cold case is a case where no tips or any kind of information comes in. It just sits there dormant. He said that this is definitely not that type of case. Lauren's parents filed a civil negligence lawsuit against the two men who were with Lauren the night she disappeared, but a judge dismissed the case in 2014 and it was later upheld in a federal appeals court. According to court documents, Lauren's parents say the two men owed Lauren a duty of care but continued to give her alcohol despite her already being intoxicated. In the ruling, a federal judge pointed to a lack of evidence in showing the two men were responsible for her disappearance at all. It was four years later that investigators hoped to link the case to the murder of another Indiana University student, Hannah Wilson. Hannah had also disappeared after visiting Kilroy's bar and was last seen getting in a taxi until her body was discovered in Brown County. Bloomington local Daniel Messel was arrested after his phone was discovered near her body. The private investigators say that although the crimes were similar, circumstances were at best coincidental. And Messel had no link to Lauren's disappearance at that time. A second promising lead came in 2016 when Bloomington PD officers and federal agents searched Justin Wager's Martinsville property with the help of cadaver dogs. 
Anthropologists were hired to sift through sections for the dog to sniff. However, that too proved to be a dead end. Lauren's mother, Charlene, told ABC News in 2020 that she'd just really like to hear. This is where you can find your daughter. It's the not knowing what happened to her, where she might be. Well, that's the unbearable part. In a report released last year, the total number of missing cases in the United States was less than it was in 2019, with the number being at 543,018, that being the lowest number of missing person files in the U.S. since 1990. 209,375 females under the age of 21 were reported missing, with a number of reports of those over 21 being nearly 60,000. The Bloomington police have repeatedly stressed that this is still an active case and has kept a phone line open for anything that anyone is willing to report, including suspicious activity related to the disappearance. Police have said that they've received over 36,000 tips since 2011, and that 1,100 of those were considered to be worth looking into. Bloomington PD has executed a minimum of 10 search warrants and received 800 tips in the past four years alone, 100 of which were followed up on. Charlene Spearer did post a message to the official Lauren Spearer Family Updates page on Facebook, stating, quote, 10 years ago today, June 3, 2021, in the early hours of June 3, 2011, Lauren became a missing person. What started as an evening with friends ended tragically for Lauren and our family. There is no video evidence proving Lauren ever turned the corner at 11th and College Avenue at 4.30 in the morning. And there has never been a suspect named. My heart goes out to anyone searching for a missing loved one. When you are in it, you can't see beyond it. You are trying everything humanly possible to get answers. You are willing to work from first light until you collapse exhausted at the end of the day. You read everything written, every blog, every Facebook post, every tweet, every comment at the end of every article you have access to, just hoping someone will post something to move your case forward. You open your door to the worst of humanity, desperate to believe their convincing lies, but I think the worst often comes from those who hold the answers and refuse to share them at all. You are gullible. You are exposed to things that you've never known about and wish you had never learned about. I empathize with you. I walk in your shoes. I carry the same burden. I wish that I did not have to experience this. If you are fortunate, you will find that there are just as many compassionate people. They work beside you just as tirelessly. They step in when you cannot go on any further. They take risks. They put their lives on hold. They use every avenue at their disposal just to help you. They keep in touch on those most difficult days. They remind you that you are not alone in this nightmare and they ask for absolutely nothing in return. This is what I know. What happened to Lauren was shocking. It's inconceivable to have spoken to Lauren hours before discovering that it would be the last time. Shocking that someone so loved could vanish without a trace. But it is entirely possible. It did happen and 10 years later, I still struggle. The space that once held hopes and dreams for Lauren will never heal. It's replaced by an aching, fueled feeling of not knowing. I've learned to manage my days, months, and years, but in an instant something will happen which sends me reeling right back into the day it all happened. I try my best. I will survive. I will never forget. 
I do not need a day like today to remember because every day is a day of remembrance. I am especially grateful to Rob and Rebecca, my husband and my daughter, who share in this tragic loss, and without them, I know I couldn't have survived. I end, as always, hoping today is the day and reminding the reader that anything small could be so big. Lauren is lost but never forgotten, and she is forever in our hearts. That was signed by Charlene Spearer. The news of the 10-year milestone comes as the private investigator working the case spoke of how he hopes that this renewed attention in the cold case will somehow lead someone to have a pang of conscience and make a phone call. After all, somebody's got to know something. No suspects have ever been publicly named in their disappearance, but a private investigator working the case for years tells people that he has tracked down hundreds of leads and is confident the truth will emerge. He always has hope, and he said, quote, I don't consider it a cold case even though it's 10 years old. He is Mike Cervalo, president of Bo Deedle and Associates. Cervalo says that he believes that there are only three scenarios that explain Lauren's disappearance. She was out that night with some strange boys, boys that she had just met a week prior, drinking, etc. She wasn't with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend, from time to time, did exhibit jealousy. And he's still not been properly alibied to this day. He said of the first possibility. While Lauren Spearer's boyfriend, Jesse Wolf was not present when she went missing, it has been suggested that he may have had something to do with her disappearance. Some people have suggested that the group of young men who attacked Corey Rossman outside the small wood plaza apartments was sent by Jesse. Other theories suggest Jesse may have abducted her himself. Jesse did refuse to take a polygraph test administered by the Bloomington Police Department. However, his parents contend that he passed the polygraph test administered by a third party. Jesse's mother, Nadine, said that she and her husband are frustrated with the accusations made against their son, who was not even in Bloomington on the morning Lauren disappeared. According to Jesse, Lauren said she was going home and going to sleep. He responded by saying, if you wake up, call me. Jesse then said he went to bed. Lauren, however, did not go to bed. In an interview with police, Jay Rosenbaum said that in addition to drinking, Lauren snorted clonopin and took cocaine. Nadine said her son simply was not with Lauren on the morning she disappeared. She said if her son is guilty of anything, he was guilty of trying to take care of Lauren, who had some serious drug issues. Nadine Wolf said that Lauren Spearer would abuse to the point where she would have blackouts. Jesse says he threatened to tell Lauren's parents on several occasions, but he said she would end their relationship if he did. She had some health issues. Perhaps she died of natural causes from drinking. And the boys up on 11th Street might have disposed of her body somewhere. Servalo said, talking about this second possibility on the outcome, that Lauren had been diagnosed with a rare heart condition and her doctors warned her against using alcohol and drugs. According to witness reports, Lauren was excessively drunk and had been using drugs on the morning that she disappeared. One theory that has persisted through the years is that Lauren either overdosed or had a medical emergency related to her heart condition. Some people believe Lauren's death was accidental and someone disposed of her body because they were afraid to be implicated in her death. And finally, scenario number three, if we believe Jay Rosenbaum. She left the apartment at about a quarter after four that morning. She may have been abducted by an opportunist on the street. The small, petite girl, helpless, barefoot, 95 pounds, tipsy? Well, she would have been snapped off the street before you can snap your fingers. This is the theory a lot of people believe. Authorities have said that Lauren was especially vulnerable and could have been easily overpowered. 
One of those scenarios is really the only possibility. If it's one, two, or three, somebody knows something about it. Charlene Spear echoed the PI's plea for help to come forward with any information. After suffering and agony over countless leads that went nowhere, you read everything written, every blog, every Facebook post, every tweet, every comment, at the end of every article that you have access to, just hoping that someone will post something to move this case on. You open your door to the worst of people, and you are so desperate in believing a liar's lies. But I think the worst offense comes from the people who have the right answers, the right information, and they refuse to share it. The FBI has assisted the Bloomington Police Department in the search for this missing Indiana University student, but as of right now, uh, public and private law enforcement continues to hit dead ends in the case. Cervello said that they continue to work the case. It's carefully vetted. It's investigated. They see if it's valid information. If there's any meat on the bone, so to speak, and they take it as far as they can until they're able to rule it out. They've done that hundreds and hundreds of times with leads, and they'll continue to do that. Lauren's parents have ensured that her name stays in the news, and a Twitter account has also been spreading the word since 2011. The account, at Newson Lauren S., has been kept anonymous until now. The woman behind the account, Kristen Goderman, has spent the last 10 years raising awareness and gathering information about this case. She said regarding the account, at its greatest, it grew to 25,000. Today, at the 10-year milestone, it's a little over 19,000. The Twitter account has steadily been grabbing attention across the country. They even had people like Kim Kardashian and Ryan Seacrest and the major news outlets to retweet that information. And that was critical to the story. It spread like wildfire because of the interest in Lauren. You can email any tips to findlauren.com, helpfindlauren at gmail.com. Bloomington Police Department, you can call them at 812-339-4477. Or you can reach out to Bo Deedle and Associates at area code 212-557-3334. Again, the Bloomington Police Department, 812-339-4477 or Bo Deedle and Associates at area code 212-557-3334. I'm Chris Lone for The Mountain Mysteries. Remember to log on to our Facebook page. Remember to check us out on the net at www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com. Until next time, stay mysterious. If you enjoy The Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support the Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more.